Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast, brought to you by the fine folks over at HypeBot.com. Thank you, Bruce, and everybody over at HypeBot for everything you do to support us and the music community in general. Uh, Jay, we are joined by a special guest today. Um, some people, I've known, I've known Bob's name for a long time because he goes way back, like us, pre-internet. <laughs> Um, we're joined by Bob Nalbandian, and um, Bob, you, I don't know, how, how, how would you want to be introduced? I mean, clearly you're, you put together and produced the movie Band versus Brand, but you've got so much more history than that. Yeah, um, you know, as you said, I've been around a while, and, and it's a pleasure to meet both of you. Uh, finally met for the first time. Uh, I've been doing it, you know, it's like you said, since the early eighties, the old tape training days, I started a fanzine, the headbanger, you know, and just like so many other uh, people, we started out doing that, uh, you know, starting out the fanzines just as a, as a fan, you know, collector tape collector. I mean, Brian Slagle started out as a fanzine before he started metal blade. So, you know, I ended up working at a few labels, Roadrunner and a couple other labels and, did the whole uh, working for other magazines and and all that stuff and it just gradually got me into doing uh, documentary films i had the opportunity uh, thanks to warren croyle and joe floyd uh gave me the opportunity to start with the inside metal stuff and you know we were doing a uh, uh, different stuff before then my partner carl and i were doing video started doing these video casts and in a video interview. So it just kind of transcended to, you know, listen, we want to do something like a real history of like the LA scene. And then they came along a uh, Joe and uh, Warren and said, Hey, we're actually working on a, a, a doing a documentary about the LA scene. And, and this gave me a, a, a real opportunity. Cause I didn't, I didn't think that the scene was really represented, uh, not necessarily represented correctly, but thoroughly, you know, and give it a real good approach. So we, put it into three movies and two DVDs each. And as I told you now, I'm now uh, we're in the middle of editing the uh, Bay area documentary of uh, inside metal. And uh, uh, on a side note, I got involved, you know, through the inside metal working with Cleopatra entertainment and doing this new movie, which just came out band versus brand, which I'm really excited about. And it was a little bit different uh, uh, for me for, uh, you know, more on the business end of, of, of music rather than just a, a fanboy kind of thing. But it, uh, uh, I thought it came out quite well and the reviews have been quite good. Yeah, so I, I, I watched it um, last week. And for those of you who are interested, if you've got Amazon prime, it's included in your Amazon prime subscription. So just go search for band versus brand. But it's clearly, um, you know, let, 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 let's focus on that because that clearly ties in very well with the Music Biz Weekly podcast theme here. Um, and, and, you know, Jay and I have always been about, you know, the brand is very important. You have to understand your brand. And, you know, the two of us at least grew up, you know, studying the KISS School of Marketing who, right. you know, there there's nobody in our opinions who have, have, wave that flag for band versus brand more than kiss Absolutely. i mean i mean i i recall a few years ago gene in an interview actually made a statement that kiss is no longer a band it's a brand and i remember the fans having a shit fit over a statement sure. like that of like oh my god no you know you're a band but the reality is and and fill us in because you've you've actually talked to a lot of people your brand 
and in this day and age, especially in 2019, um, your brand is one of the absolute most important things you can worry about from day one. Absolutely. And uh, you're so right on KISS. We devoted a whole chapter to them, obviously, because they were the masters of that. And, um, you know, it's funny because, you know, you guys obviously um, uh, being old school metal fans and, and being purists to the metal, I could see, you know, being a fan, being upset at that. No, it's don't don't call yourself a brand. That's commercialism. That's, you know, that's, you know, it, you got to stay true to your music. Don't, don't and, sell out know, to the man. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, I get that. And there's there's a point where I think they kind of brought that on early. I mean, from since the 70s with their merchandising. I mean, they they look I mean, Gene Simmons is a business guy. I, I would say he's a business guy more over a musician. And they looked at it from the beginning as, as a business. And most people that formed bands, especially back then. It was to be in a band, and of right. course, it was it was, it was to get chicks. That was well, yeah. it. Kiss obviously were in it for the chicks too, but it, they took it more as, as as a business entity. They they saw the potential as that, and I think bands kind of see that potential, and they know that it exists. But they, you know, to be true to the fans, you don't want to expose that. But I think now in this day and age. Um, yeah, I think a lot of bands try to be ignorant to, to, to the business end and to the, the branding aspect and, and kind of like say, hey, no, we're not a brand. We're not we're not going to go that route. You know, right. we're talking about the music to us. But the bottom line is, is uh, especially now in this day and age, the digital age, you, you got to treat your band as a not necessarily a brand, but as a business. So to speak. and some of these some of these bands became a brand not by design, not by sure. plan, you know, like, you know, in the words of, uh, you know, rush, you know, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice, you right. know, and some of these bands, you know, Michael and I were talking earlier, they didn't know, you know, in the seventies and early eighties that they would still be around this many years later and touring and become, and then just they're looking back on it wow, you know, they have become a brand. You know, I have two uh, teenage daughters and they'll wear logos on their shirts sometimes that they don't know who those bands are just yeah. because, you know, the Ramones logo yeah. is such a powerful, cool logo or the Kiss logo or the Who yeah. or whatever. Th these, you know, these have become these powerful, powerful brands. And I think some of these bands that are out now are going to be the brands 10, 15 years from now, whether they decide to or not. Absolutely. And I think bands, when they start out, they, they don't see that big picture. They don't look at it like, wow, this, you know, we're going to last 30 years or our name, even after the band's dead and gone, like the Ramones. I mean, that brand could live on for the next 30, 40 years, you know, sure. and, and people that have the, uh, the, uh, that own the estate that own the trademark are going to capitalize on that, uh, whether, you know, the, the, and, and that's the thing is you don't know, you don't picture if you're, you know, if you and I are going to form a band as teenagers, you don't look to like maybe 20 years down the road, someone's going to leave and their wife is going to take over the, the yeah. business end and the, and own the name if, if one of them dies or whatever. And then you got two different factions of the band and then you realize that it is a brand and that's what it comes down to when it comes down to the business is owning that name sure you could go off solo but you know a lot of bands have tried that you know bruce dickinson as rob halford as they did great sure. records but they're it's not going to be as big as the brand the iron maiden or the judas priest so some right. people like ozzy have been successful so it, you know there's different situations but 
it's always something to consider. And a lot of people don't realize that that name yeah. uh, means everything. Well, you make a really good point. Sorry, Michael. You make a really good point about, you know, these lead singers breaking off. You know, uh, a famous manager told us the other day that if, you know, if Mick Jagger plays in Tokyo, he plays, you know, a 400-seat place. Sure. The Rolling Stones play there. They fill up the Tokyo Dome. Same yeah. with, like, Paul Stanley. You know, yeah. he's going to play the smaller arena. But then you go in there with Kiss you know, so there, there's something so powerful about that brand that isn't translating to just a solo member. True. I think that's a good point. Go you, ahead, Michael. You, 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 Bob, you had mentioned that some bands act like they don't care. Do you, do you think they're acting that way, or do you think there's still a lot of just uneducated about the business, uneducated about brand where they don't they don't even think about it. They don't even understand it. I mean, to, to when I talk to a lot of my clients, you know, and you talk about brand, all they think about is the logo and right. maybe some colors. And it's like, but a brand represents so much more than that that you really got to be thinking about it. I mean, to, to Jay's example of, of his daughters wearing a Ramones T-shirt, maybe they're doing it because the name the Ramones means something yeah rebel outsider you know you know giving the finger to society whatever it might be that's what they're buying into the logo just is the visual representation of it and 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 i just i tend to think there's still a lot of bands younger bands put it that yeah. way i think i think if you've been doing this for 40 years you've learned if you're still doing it after 40 years you've learned let's put it Absolutely. that way but the younger bands the new ones or the ones that just never quite made it i think a lot of it is they haven't paid attention to that being really important to their career I it's all about mu- it's all about the music to them and that's all they care about yeah well i think to them it's all about the fame and the instant success more than really just the music they just want to be popular and it's it's you know made sense that i mean now there's all these labels doing 360 deals where the band gets nothing out of it except exposure and fame and that's all bands i think today a lot of the younger generation really care about whichever way they do it they don't want to know the business they don't know the business they just want that instant you know uh internet fame kind of thing you know the youtube fame or whatever and that's kind of i think with the younger bands so i i do agree with the younger bands i think the the older bands obviously are more educated they've been through it they've they've seen what happens they've seen what happened to their their favorite bands in the past so they know yeah. better but you're right about the logos i mean it, it, it is like i think david ellison said it's you know like a coca-cola or mercedes-benz people look at a mercedes-benz and they see that as a, you know an esteemed you know uh you know a logo as as you know maybe the rich man's kind of thing and they they kind of identify it like that so there's a definitely an identity it could be with the ramones that punk rock attitude or that you know kind of bad boy image you know with certain things that uh, most kids today they they, they couldn't name 10 ramones songs they might wear the shirt but they just (laughs) their favorite right wearing that shirt or, or whatever you know same with you see you know these you know internet you know women wearing these uh uh, Metallica or Slayer shirts or these rappers wearing, you know, shirts like they, they, they just see it. They think it looks cool. And they're like, well, we're going to stretch our boundaries or try to open up our fan base. And it's fashion. But are they really fans of it? I mean, back in the day when, when I, I'm sure with you guys, when you 
wore a Kiss shirt or a Judith Priest shirt or something. You represented. You knew yeah. they were yeah. your band. Got it at the I, show. I mean, we, we, we've, we've talked yeah. about, especially on the on Three Sides of the Coin podcast, man, back in the late 70s, you wear a Kiss t-shirt, you might get beaten up for wearing sure. that. You definitely yeah. would You would definitely have the Led Zeppelin fans coming up to you going, fucking yeah. Kiss sucks, man. Yeah. You don't know music. That's what you wanted. It stood for something, no doubt about it. You wanted to show them, hey, man, I'm a Zeppelin fan. You know I mean? We would have those arguments all the time. I, you know, Jimmy yeah. Page is the best. No, Ace Freely is the best. Fuck you. Jimmy Page and Richie Blackmore. And it was, yeah. you know, and that pride in it. But nowadays, it's just the cool factor, you know? And yeah. that, that's where the brand becomes so important now. I think back in the day, it was more, you know, it was more of a purist thing. But nowadays, it's it's a symbol, you know? It, it could, yeah. you know, the Rolling Stones tongue is a symbol, you know? Mm-hmm. People see that. You know, kids today, oh, wow, that's cool. I saw so-and-so wear that shirt. That looks like a cool shirt, you know. Yeah. And you talk to people, you know, I'll go up to, you know, kids saying, oh, you know, you you, you like, you know, whatever, the Ramones or, or Metallica. Oh, no, I just saw somebody wear it, you know, in a magazine. And, you know, I saw Taylor Swift wear it. So I thought it was cool. So, you know, uh, and that's, yeah. that's what, but, you know, the bottom line is somebody's making money off that merchandise. And if you're the creator of that brand or you were a part of that band or the originator of the brand, you better get your business together if you want to make a percentage because the money's going somewhere. Well, I was just well, gonna I, say I was just gonna say, so that's sort of what it's come down to, especially for the bands who've learned because they've been doing it for forty years. If they don't they, if you don't watch and take care of your own brand, somebody else is going to. Somebody absolutely. else is gonna squat on it. Somebody else might do something detrimental to it. Somebody else will clearly try and make money off of it, and you won't have any say in it if you don't yeah. control it. You have to protect your your rights there. I think a lot of this comes down to economics, and you mentioned it a moment ago. It used to be a record deal was pretty cut and dry. Now, with a lot of these 360 deals and other types of agreements, you know, the economics have changed so much because you don't make the money from streaming that you would from a download, which you would from physical. And Michael and I aren't those kind of people who will sit here and say streaming is bad. It's just a different configuration. But the economics are different from streaming and downloading and physical sales. And now some of these artists, in order to survive, it's, yes, it's a lot about touring, but that merch table becomes crucial. And as you build that merch table out, certain things are very, very important. We talk to artists all the time about when they're designing their logo or when they're putting CD covers together. Once that's out, you're going to live with that forever. And is it something compelling that someone's going to want on a hat or a T-shirt? Is it something compelling that will sell later on? I mean, those are things that people didn't really think about that much before. But maybe maybe Kiss did. Maybe the Rolling Stones did. Maybe not. But those those are now iconic and have transcended, you know, the band. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I mean, back in the day, nobody knew what the future would be. You know, I, I you know grew up with the guys of Metallica playing the clubs. They had no idea. I mean, their their goal was to be if, if they could be up in the category of like a Motorhead, that would be like the the, the greatest thing ever. That would be right. the top of the bill. No one knew that they were, especially these heavier bands, that they were going to be these huge iconic metal bands. So nobody knows. And 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 uh, you know, me, I could say you you don't know the future, but some of these young pop bands. I don't see them having the longevity of a band like a Kiss or a Zeppelin or a Priest, but you never know. So to me, I, I think now everything is just so disposable. 
that maybe for a lot of these bands, um, you know, they're not going to last more than a year or two, or they're not going to have these classic hit songs that's going to last 40 years, like the Stones. I mean, are, are people going to really remember Britney Spears, you know, 10, 15 years ago? I don't know. I mean, maybe kids, did, maybe they'll have some resurgence of that kind of shit or whatever. But <laughs> who knows with a pop, with a pop thing. But when it comes to classic rock and 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 the stuff we grew up on, it, it is a different thing. But the bottom line is, as you say, you, you have to... Uh, you know, and and I think when it comes to rock and metal, people are such purists. Like it's not about the it's not about the money. It's about the music. We could give a shit about that. We're just doing it for the yeah. band, the music. But once that brand, as you say, somebody else takes control of it. Like, hey, I don't want to. I don't care about any of that business. And and somebody takes is making money off your brand. Then they start getting pissed off. It's like, well. You're the one that said it wasn't about money. You let it go. It's your fault. You know, so that's where, you know, it comes. I get that purist mentality of like, mm -hmm. it's about the music, but you always have to have control of your brand or someone could make it into something, you know, ridiculous. Like, um, it wasn't one of the, I, I don't know who these, uh, Jenner or one of these people were taking metal logos and making it into some fashion thing and selling them for like a thousand dollars, like a metal, you know? Yeah. And, and she's stealing the brand of these bands. And no matter how much of a purist is going to be, and you're going to say, it's not about the music or whatever, you're going to be fucking pissed <laughs> off. If there's some chick out there, some teeny bopper chick that has no idea who your band is. That's already right. that millionaire. Making well, I, 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 yeah, I, I think what, what <laughs> ultimately you get pissed about is the fact that they're selling these custom-made T-shirts for thousand dollars a T-shirt, sure. and you're and you're having a hard time selling your own legitimate T-shirts at a show for fifteen dollars. That Absolutely. so again, it's all about the money. It really yeah. is. I mean, Jay, what what's that quote you have? Yeah, it's from Henry Droz, who used to run WIA and Universal. He said, "It's not about the money; it's about the money." Yeah, yeah. Meaning well, it's always it, about it's the money. It's about the money. And what it comes down to the money is protecting your brand. Like Brian Brinkerhoff yeah. said in the movie, you got to know the business. Because if you don't take care of your business, it's going to get exploited. It's going right. to get out of control. And you never know once, you know, things break up, if you don't properly take care of your business, someone, you know, like a, a band member, if he passes away, right. if he, you know, his, his family or his ex-wife or whatever sure. can have uh, owned the name and have an equal amount or even more so than right. well, you have well, to you make a really good point you know managing your brand you may not know how to manage your brand there are places out there where they specialize in this for example if you ever you know google jeff jampol at some you know he manages the doors and you know the ramones and uh you know i mean tons of these iconic artists he specializes in his company of managing the entire brand and that may be a documentary a book an album i mean music is really kind of a rounding error for some of this stuff the fashion you know and different levels so you have the t-shirt in target you know for 12 bucks but you also have the one in the high-end shops in beverly hills for 500 and if you can't manage your own brand there are definitely places you can go where they specialize to do that and you can benefit from that, but don't just let it go because you don't know the ropes, yeah. you know? Get an attorney, get legal advice, do what you have to do. But, you know, it's important to get your business together before, you know, you you get a record deal. or and, before and, and, you. And, and to that point, I think there's a lot bands can learn 
from the bands that came before. Yeah. So in 2019, there's a lot of documented history of the good and the bad of business for bands in the music industry. Now, when you were a band starting in the 60s and 70s, there wasn't a lot for you to learn from coming before you because you were actually the godfather casting that first stone. So today, you you know, we sit back here and we all laugh. It's like, <laughs> how many great whites are touring? Oh, what? Who's who's who's, <laughs> who's owns Rat this week? You know, right. we could list the number of bands that have had two different versions, three versions, one version that then you know the stories. And it's all funny when you're just sitting around a bar. But the reality is read about that and learn from that and you can understand how those problems happened how you can avoid that happening in the future how you can avoid somebody you know touring with your band's name that contains nobody who was ever in the band because guess what you gave your manager the rights to your name and you know 20 years later your manager sold those rights to somebody and it sucks, but you can't do anything about it. Learn from those who have made the mistakes that are well documented in the countless autobiographies. That's the, a good point. And the VH1s behind the musics and, and everything else that's out there, it will give you clues of what not to do. Right. That's a great point, Michael. And as you said, a lot of bands in the in the 70s, managers did own the name. I think David Ted springs up when... Uh, uh, Fleetwood Mac came out and it was no no one in the band, you know, and you're seeing wow. that today with Foreigner, you know, it's obviously Mick Jones, I guess, is, is the main owner of the name. And, you know, he'll only do select dates of the band. But people go see Foreigner because it's it's they like the music. You well, know? they're they're, they're, go, they're going they're, because the brand Foreigner means something to uh, them. Yeah. And, and I think they have to sound good too. They have to sound like the original. Yes, they they do, but Michael's making a really good point because we work with sometimes these heritage artists where the lead singer may have changed or whatever, same with Foreigner, but they're going to relive their 70s or 80s and it's that brand and that logo and they're going, they don't care. And you can tell because if they try to play something off the new album, that's when everybody goes and gets a hot dog or a beer. You know, They're there to kind of relive that and experience that as part of that brand. And that's what the fans want. And a lot of the casual fans, they don't know. They don't know who's original, who's not, You know, especially a lot of the younger fans. But you know, to go back to your point, Michael, it's, it's it is very important to learn from the bands from the past, but I think a lot of the bands from the past have to adapt to what's going on today because it's a whole different, you know, back in the day, it was all about CD sales, you know, uh, public. Now it's all about merchandising and live shows and you have all these new things going on, like the hologram. There's so many different aspects to branding. And that's why we get into a chapter about the hologram and, uh, things that could make these artists live on forever, even after they pass away. You know, we're talking about Ronnie James Dio hologram stuff that, you know, Prince, yeah. Prince, you know, we might say, you know, hell with that. I'm not going to deal with that. But, you know, that that's a, you have again, you have to know your business, whether you're a new band or an old band. You have to. You might not agree with it. You might not agree with all the digital downloading and the way the business is today. But if you're going to be in that business, you got to in some way adapt to it. Or, you know, a lot of bands, 
which I appreciate, are still out there selling vinyl, making money, doing their thing. But, you know, you have to kind of have, uh, it's a give and take, you, you know. Uh, the money's all in public. I mean, there's so many bands uh, re-recording their music for commercials and other mm -hmm. stuff. That's where the money is. It's not in CD sales. You could, you know, Mar we have Mark Ferrari, who was who's in the movie, yep. who makes a great point about, uh, you know, licensing, owning, not just owning the brand, but the licensing of the music where you could re-record these songs and maybe get them in commercials or get in movies. That's very lucrative. Or to ha you know, own your publishing from bad. A lot of people sell off their publishing and, you know, bands that you thought would be dead, you know, like, you know, they talk about Billy Squire, who's always owned his publishing. And now there's hip hop bands sampling off, off of Billy Squire. He's making money off that. You know, these people, the brands that might've been dead, you might go, go oh, but, you know, new kids might not know who, who the hell's Billy Squire. You're listening to his music and the latest hip hop uh, songs, you know, you're, so there's, uh, there's that aspect of it. There's so many different, um, avenues. Well, I was going to say, you know, if if you want this to be your career for 40, 50, you take care of your family for eternity, you obviously can't physically perform live. Right. Forever. I mean, we're we're hitting that point now where there's a lot of these classic bands who are yeah, pushing the 70 first generation. who are like, that's yeah. it. We're, we're done. Yeah. We can't, we literally can't move on stage anymore. Um, so you, you, you need to think about the, the famous mailbox money, the money that you can make off of your brand forever and eternity. That's just checks coming in. To, right. to Billy Squire's point, he doesn't have to go perform anymore. He just collects money because somebody else is using his music. Sure. You know, he, he, you know, the people who have tremendous radio airplay on classic rock stations, they don't have to tour anymore. They're making plenty of money in the in the in the pennies, but millions of pennies add up. If they if they kept their publishing, if and they but again, and, the, and, the, and that goes and they back wrote the song, and sure. that goes right, back right. to learning from the people in the past and go, Absolutely. wow, how come this guy is broke? Well, mm -hmm. you know, at some point he decided to sell his publishing off for a hundred thousand dollars, and it's like he went and you know he, he was it Mark Ferrari who, who made the statements like you know you get that hundred thousand dollars and you go out and you buy a Ferrari right away, and it's right. like. You, no, that's not what you do. That's not how you have a career. It's not smart business. If you do that, you will end up literally touring in a white panel van playing to 100 people until you die on stage. And I think a lot of bands back then, particularly in the 70s, when you know bands started out and they're young teenagers, they didn't, they didn't know the importance of publishing or really what publishing was. So... A lot of times, you know, the management would have the, the uh, half of the publishing or the publishing company. What they they didn't know about making proper publishing deals. So, sure. as you say, there are certain people that were smart at it that don't have to go out and tour. But now you see a lot of these sixty year old bands. I mean, I feel so bad for bands like Nazareth who are going out there still touring, you know, and and having to tour to make enough money to make a living. This was just you know one of the most classic sure, hard rock. Of 
But I mean, there's tons of bands out there like that. that well, that, yeah. And I would argue that even some of the newer bands, we had a guest on the show a few weeks ago talking about how artists didn't understand recording contracts. I can tell you that there's a lot of artists who don't understand the basics of publishing and royalties, mechanical royalties, and what you should sell off and what you shouldn't sell off and how these things can make money over time. It comes back to an ongoing theme that Michael and I talk about a lot, and that is educating yourself. And I think that's one of the things that band versus brand will help do to a lot of younger artists is to kind of wake them up a little bit to go, wow, I need to think about these things. That's the key. And I think that's what we try to get across in, in, in the movies. Educate yourself. Don't rely on the record label or your publishing company to educate you. They're not. They're going to take advantage of you. They have different that's goals. People don't realize they are looking for dumb, ignorant musicians that they could take advantage of. And I say, hey, we'll give you this big advance. Just sign over your publishing. Wow, okay, you're going to, you know, it's, it's that old hip-hop thing uh, where I'll buy you a Cadillac. Just give me all the publishing, you know. And, and okay, okay, you know, you, you go to these people that don't have money or that are looking for whatever to have that instant fame, and you could offer them anything. And I think a lot of these bands rely on, like you said, you're ignorant. They don't handle their own business and they look up to these labels and publishing companies and touring agencies and merchandise companies. And they say, oh, we're going to get a big fat advance from them. Let's sign away everything, you know. And yeah. uh, some cases, a good advance is, is good. If your band goes nowhere, you at least got the advance. But you know, if your band takes off, it's always a risk. So you never yeah, know. So it's not, right. you know, you have to kind of weigh things out on. But if you're looking for the longevity and looking for that, you know, I, and I, th I think it's different nowadays because I think a lot of the late, see, but before back in the 70s, you had the longevity. You, you, you could sign, you know, they would sign bands like ACDC, Scorpions, you know, whatever, Judas Priest. It took them six or seven albums before they had golden platinum records sure. before that i mean now there's no sales but my point is even going back to the 90s if, if you didn't sell a hundred thousand copies of your first album you'd get dropped there was no longevity and i think now it's even worse where there's no really um uh, you know uh, they're the bands are just manufactured and it's just they'll just go on to the next pop artist if it doesn't sell you know there's no um uh, well, what's the word I'm looking for? But you know, the, basically, there's no longevity in in, in artists anymore. Uh, I don't see that too many bands that you know. You maybe have like you know the bands from the '90s, the Foo Fighters or whatever that are still carrying on. But a lot of the bands from the New Millennium, um, you know, they the other thing is they don't last long. I mean, you got bands like System of a Down or whatever. They'll they'll do three albums and break up. And then just do like these reunion things every so often. Let, 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 let me let me ask you guys this this sort of parting question here. Um, I'd love to get your opinions on this. One of the hot topic bands that's out there right now in the last year, Greta Van Fleet. Everybody's got an opinion. I think clearly an opinion one way or another about them. But do you think that there is an issue with your own brand as a band like Greta Van Fleet when the brand basically is some other band? Yeah. That they're, that they're clearly, you know, and, and we don't have to get into it, but right or wrong, they're clearly, yeah. they're clearly <clears throat> identified as Led Zeppelin. 
Absolutely. It's it's it's, it's Led Zeppelin of 2019. So is that a brand problem when when it's not an original brand basically you're you're taking a brand from 40 50 years ago and making it who you are yet a brand so strongly identified that you're not going to be able to eclipse it it's a good point michael and that's something that i think you're going to see a lot more of especially if uh they do have some continued success greta van fleet you're going to be seeing a lot more bands just duplicating uh, that you know one of the people we had in the movie is a friend of mine who's, who's a pr guy fred godlash and he does a lot of pr with 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 movies or films and he said you see a lot of that with movies and you, you say why do you think these movies do the same sequels oh they'll just rip off they'll do like uh, redo a movie from the 70s like the young longest yard lower risk it There's works no risk there's little risk they've already got and you know the sequels they've already built that that name and that recognition for the movie and their stars and whatever, so it's it's it's, it's a little risk. So they just there's no original ideas anymore in Hollywood when it comes to movies. You see any movie on, it's the same same stupid story that you've seen. There's really whether it's a horror movie or a crime movie or whatever. It's like, dude, I've seen this. They're just completely ripping off, you know. This are the stupid romantic comedies. The same thing. They're going to use that thing, and that's more and more coming in with music. I mean, that's been happening with music. Uh, but it, more and more so nowadays because you can't really copyright or trademark an, an idea. You know, you could copyright a movie, but who's to say if you take, you know, uh, you know the ideas from you, you, a movie? You can't, you can't copyright the Led Zeppelin sound. No, you can't copyright the right. sound. You could copyright the riffs or if there's a riff. Lyrics. The lyrics, the logo, all logo. that stuff. Yeah, yeah sure. So certain things you could, but if you if you could capitalize on that sound, that look, that image, why do you think tribute bands are so big? And that's another yeah. reason we included that in the Bambrus brand. We had um, Kyle from the band 4NR, a foreigner tribute band, and he's talking, he goes, you know, to be a new band these days, and, and Frank Domino made some important uh, uh, quotes about that, you know, a lot of these tribute bands are making a lot more money than the new bands out there. And even the old bands out there, Car uh, he made a, a comment that Carmine, the original, you know, drummer who played, you know, and wrote some of the biggest Rod Stewart songs, did a Rod Stewart tribute band with the original Rod Stewart members, you know, not including Rod Stewart. And he says there were tribute Rod Stewart bands doing better than them, you know. So, yeah. it's, you know, and here's the original guys from that band. So, you know, that's another big thing, you know. And so that that side of the business you know, you could say it's not right. It's ripping people off, but it's all about the money, man. And if these well, man, I, I'm sure the whole Greta Van Fleet thing was very well calculated. See, I have a little bit different take on Greta, Greta Van Fleet. I think that, you know, the first time I heard them, just like a lot of guys, I was like, wow, this is really fun. This is really paying homage to, you know, one of my favorite bands. And, you know, as it's kind of, as I've listened to it and seen them play live, and I, I think that there's, I, I'm my, it's like kudos to them. If you can stand on the shoulders of giants in this business and rise above the clutter and get noticed. I mean, these guys play their asses off. He can sing his ass off. Now the, the proof is going to be, you know, can they evolve and change say, and become their own? How do they move to own? the next album? Because if next the next album. one, right. If the next one is exactly kind of the same formula, that's like, yeah, I'm done with that. But if they can evolve, all of my favorite artists have evolved over time. 
Each album is different than the next, and they've they've grown. If Greta Van Fleet can do that, look, I like the record. I think they're you know they're a fun band, and whether they admit it or not, of course they're representing you know that sound of Led Zeppelin, and they're kind of putting their own spin on it. Let's see how they uh, how they evolve. But my hats off to them for you know like we always say, it's not fraud, it's marketing. You know, if you can rise above the clutter, no matter how you do it. Yeah, kudos to them. Well, you make a good point as how they're going to evolve, and and the thing, like you say, is to make it to to make it these days. You have to make your mark first. Yeah, listen, hard to do. Once you make your mark, then you could have the potential to evolve from there. But you have to kind of get above the crop. You know, it's so hard to do. Yeah, they've managed to do it. You know, copying the Zeppelin sound or whatever they did to get to where they are. They are. And the important thing is, are they going to, I'm sure they're going to have tons of outside songwriters start working with them on this. I don't know if they've even started on this new album or not, but you know, that's the thing nowadays. It's all songwriter, you know, before you might have, you know, uh, a Desmond Child co-write a song with a Bon Jovi or a Kiss. Now you have nine different songwriters and producers bring some pop song that sounds like every other fucking pop song you hear on the radio. And right. You know, and I think that's what they're going to end up doing is getting these different collaborators to that maybe wrote with different different bands apart from Zeppelin, you know, to try to get a different sound out of it. I don't know. Who knows? But the important thing is we have to see where it evolves. Now, a lot of bands, they don't want to lose, the, the, especially the, the, the trap they fall in is a band like Red of Land Fleet is people know them as the Zeppelin band of that sound. And they may not want to detract from that because they could feel, well, we're going to lose our fan base if we don't keep this sound that we have you know so there's that aspect too so it is a risk to do something different is a risk and that's where i i don't think bands are doing risks there's a whole section in, in the movie as you know when we talk about now when bands get a, a new singer they want the new singer to sound just like the original singer you know hence journey with arnell sure. sounds like steve foreigner Pitt. Kelly Hansen with Foreigner, you know, sounds like Lou Graham. They, because that's what the bands want. Back in, you know, when Van Halen got Sammy Hager, totally different singer. Ronnie James Dio and uh, Sabbath, completely different singer than Ozzy. And changed not just vocally, changed the whole songwriting and the whole style of the band, you know. So, uh, you know, John Bush joining Anthrax. I mean, up through the 90s, bands would take that risk in getting a different singer. Nowadays, it's not like that. So it's, it's a different thing. So when it comes to Greta Van Fleet, I, it might be too much of a risk for them. I, I, I'm i kind of curious to see if their, their label and their people are going to say, look it, you've got that sound. Young kids today that are buying your records, they might not know Zeppelin. They just like what you're doing. They like yeah. this. Stick with that. Stick with what you're doing. And then some may say, no, you got to change. You got to evolve. But these days, see. it's not really about evolving anymore. It's about getting people, your fan base, what they like. People don't want risk. People want to play safe. No one's taking chances anymore in the music business. And that's the problem. And I will give Greta Van Fleet major kudos if they go off and do something completely different. Um but I don't really see that happening. Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the same because they they, not they would rather play it safe than sorry. No one wants to take risks anymore, and that's yeah. that. And that's what's ruining not just the the music business, the movie business, everything. Everyone wants just to play safe to go. Okay, we know this works. Let's you know do just that. And people aren't into originality anymore. It's a shame, but it's just the way it is. 
Yep. No creative ideas. So, so Bob, where can where can people find uh, Band versus Brand? Well, as you say, uh, if if you're a Prime member on Amazon, that seems to be the go-to place uh, these days. Uh, it is available on Amazon Prime, free to Prime members. Just look it up, Band vs Brand, and uh, it is available on. Uh, uh several other outlets uh i believe like google play i don't know if we got it on itunes this time because uh, there were some issues with itunes but are you selling it physically like as yeah. a dvd it's on yeah. dvd you could get on amazon you could order it on amazon walmart.com barnesandnobles.com um uh, uh, uh all those uh, different outlets so uh, it is readily available. Should be in your favorite uh, favorite record stores if you still go to the old school record stores. If not, there's some left. And it's available on Cleopatra Entertainment, uh, distributed through MVD. And uh, uh, yeah, please pick it up. Write a review on it. And uh, I I think I, I I think the thing that we really want to get across, which I think you know you know being interviewed with you and seeing the reviews, which which I'm happy about is it is kind of an educational uh, uh, movie. It, it, it lets, you know, especially for the new artists out there uh, to evolve and to, to know the business end and to, to, to prosper and not give into, you know, the, the corporate society of whatever, be your own, have control. You got to have control of your business. Yeah. That you is them, Bob. the message we we're trying to get across to these people. It's, it's uh, you know, it's more of a, uh, I look at it more of an educational DVD than an entertainment DVD. It's about you got to know your business, and hopefully that will um, be what uh, you know. If if, if you if you don't pay attention to your business, you'll be asking if they want fries with the next order. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, Bob. Um, thank you for joining us. You, this, this was a and fun conversation. Yeah. Hey, yeah. We'll All right. Go All watch right. Band versus Brand. Go check it out. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. You guys take care. That was fun. You know, I, I think it comes as no surprise to anybody who's listened to this podcast since day one. I'm a big fan of Brand. I mean, we actually had a spinoff podcast called Rockstar Branding, where we just literally talked about your branding. And you've got to pay attention to it. You just yeah, so important. To. If you don't pay attention to it, your Someone chances of success for the long term just fall away, yeah. and somebody else will yeah. take advantage of it. Because again, yeah, so, it, it, somebody will see you never trademark that logo or that name. Boom, they're jumping on it. They're trademarking yeah. it. Yeah, and you got to think about this stuff early, um, really early. And when you start designing things, whether it's your drumhead or your merch or your album covers or or just all of the things that surround your brand and think about how you want others to perceive you. You know, we always talk about photography that when they look at that image of you, they should be able to hear the music. Think about what you're saying with all of these things you're doing and build that brand. Yeah, you know, somebody, it, it, it's always been a challenge explaining what brand means to people. And years ago, somebody had made an, a, a really great comment where it was basically, listen, I'm going to mention two companies to you, Apple, Microsoft. What does each word make you feel? There you go. Feel. Mm -hmm. that's, oh, I get the, it. that's the important yeah. part. It's not about, oh, yeah, I've got three computers. I've got Windows. What, no, no. What is, your, what is your brain, what does your heart feel when you say those two? 
And there's clearly distinctive differences in each brand. The example was Apple. You've got something that's very high-end, high-quality, very very well-developed. But then you say you say Microsoft and people are like, oh, it just Eh. crashes. It's it's a it it it's a troublesome. It's older some, it's troublesome, it 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 can be a pain to use. Though those are feelings that come out of you. Whether they're accurate or not, it's a perception. And and that's the whole point is you can't dictate what your brand is ultimately gonna end up being. You can create all of this and you can drive the messaging how you want. But at the end of the day, it's how your fans feel. Right or wrong, it doesn't matter. It's how they feel, and that defines what your brand is going to be. Yeah. All right. That's it, guys. Music Biz Weekly Podcast brought to you by Hypebot. We're out of here until next week.